You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Dear Governor is a production of iHeartMedia and 3 Much Media. Dear Governor Newsom. Dear Mr. Governor Newsom. This is an open letter to Governor Gavin Newsom. Dear Governor Newsom. Dear Governor Newsom. As you know, in late May, 121 incarcerated men from a COVID hotspot, the California Institute for Men in Chino, were transferred to San Quentin. Since then, over half of the men at San Quentin have become infected. To add insult to injury, as of the time of this recording, all communications have been severed in or out of the prison. Mothers, spouses, children, friends have no idea how their loved ones are faring, whether alive on a respirator, or dead. As of yesterday, 13 of the men have died, eight on death row. The last we heard from our friend Jarvis Masters, he had been ravaged by COVID, but was believed to be on the mend. But we can't know for sure, considering all phone privileges have been revoked. This is cruel and inhumane punishment for all involved. It was also in late May that Jarvis published a prescient op-ed in the Guardian newspaper advocating for why now more than ever, Monitored cell phone usage should be permitted in prisons. We hope you will hear his message and consider it as a possible solution to the dire circumstances we are witnessing now. To help share Jarvis's vital message, we have enlisted actor and advocate Dion Graham to read portions of Jarvis's appeal in his May 22nd op-ed. Letting prisoners use cell phones makes sense. Now, more than ever. Not long before the COVID-19 outbreak was declared a worldwide pandemic, there was a shakedown here on death row at San Quentin State Prison. It was a massive search, and I wasn't surprised to learn officials confiscated at least 60 cell phones. I know what it feels like to be caught with a contraband phone. It happened two years ago, and as punishment, I was sent to the Adjustment Center, solitary confinement, for two months. I was sent to solitary for the crime of wanting connection. With almost 40 years as a prisoner, I'm old enough to remember a time when a shakedown wouldn't have resulted in the confiscation of 60 phones. It would have been 60 shanks and other deadly weapons. This demonstrates what most prisoners really want now. 
to communicate with their family and friends, those precious parts of our lives not caged up in here. This basic need is all the more pronounced in the shadow of the coronavirus. A friend of mine told me that he won't be able to make it if the pandemic lasts for another few weeks. He's managed to survive for 15 years as a condemned man, but the fact that the outside world is in such a state of pandemonium is a bridge too far. He's not concerned about catching the virus himself, but he's scared to death about the safety of his friends and family. The last time Jarvis's voice was recorded prior to the phone prohibition was July 12th. Here he is talking about COVID and COVID-related deaths with the local group coordinator for Amnesty International in San Francisco, Gavrila Wells. Have you talked and compared notes to any guards who have also had COVID? Have you commiserated about the experience? I did, yeah. It's the same thing. One of the guards who was on the ventilator uh, was getting fed out of it, too. It was his first day back today. It was his first day back today, and I talked to him. And he said it was he said it was rough. He said he's glad he made it through it, and he's glad he didn't infect his family. We all got the same string. You know, I believe we all got the same string, so we're all going to share the same stories. You know, our chest was hurting, hard to breathe, aches in the body, headache, loss of taste, sometimes delirious, lower back pains. We all have the same thing. How are you feeling now, Jay? My bones are cracking. Like I said, it feels like I just came out of a football game. Everything hurts. Everything hurts. But the nurses and the doctors told me that that's what's going to happen. You know, if you make it through this, you know, you're still going to, you can be sick, physically sick for a month. I wish there was, I mean, it's a stupid thing to say. I wish there was a way that you could just get some sunlight on you. Yeah, you know, the sunlight, I wish I could get that too. But when you say sunlight, to me, that's fresh air. Yeah, to me, that's fresh air, and I wish I could have some of that. Now I know what fresh air means when you want it. We all breathing in the same same stuff. It looks like a crime scene. It looks just like a crime scene. And to me, that's exactly what it is. You have 60 seconds remaining. What I've been thinking about more than anything else is that, you know, the guys they took out on my chair, they never... They never took anything out their cells. Their cells is the same. One guy's TV's still on. Whoa. Uh, yeah, his TV's is still on. Another guy's coffee's right there in the cup, sitting right there on the bed. So Cordova's TV yes. is still on or still has coffee in there? Yes. No way. Yes. Yes. Oh, his my TV, God. If you walk by his cell, his TV is still on. His TV is still on. The pattern of them laying in the bed is still there mm. and it's scary and it's painful and um, that's what gets me every single day that's what haunts me Mother's Day is coming and mom doesn't want flowers she wants a cocktail 
Here's a hint. Get Mom Bartesian. It's the countertop cocktail maker that creates your choice of over 60 premium cocktails in less than 30 seconds, each at the touch of a button. Flowers die. Happy hour comes back every day. So get Mom the machine that makes amazing cocktails with real fruit juices and craft bitters. Best of all, get $50 off a Bartesian premium cocktail maker with the purchase of one pack of cocktail capsules. So, instead of getting mom a reason to fill a flower vase with water, get mom the easiest, fastest way to fill her glass with the floral notes of gin. The best cocktails are premium cocktails, and the best day to get it for mom is Mother's Day, because you can get $50 off now for a limited time. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com backslash mother to get the best premium cocktail maker for mom at the best price for you. Artesian, premium cocktails on demand. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Dr. Dion Graham continues reading Jarvis's May 22nd op-ed, Making a Case for Cell Phones Behind Bars. On top of the double scourge of mass incarceration and coronavirus disproportionately affecting poor people of color, the current crisis magnifies the inhumane regulation that prohibits cell phones in correctional facilities. Rikers Island Prison, for instance, has a COVID-19 infection rate seven times that of New York City, the center of the outbreak. If cell phones were authorized there, family members could keep a tally on the now more than 800 inmates who are being held in isolation or quarantined. But instead, they're left to agonize whether he or she hasn't already been ravaged by the virus. Throughout the prison system across the country, cell phones are the lifelines that keep prisoners connected to hope. It's hopeless men and women who are the ones who become violent and self-destructive. For that reason, I believe cell phones make prisoners safer. Connection for any human being 
is central to life, and ample research proves that inmates who remain connected to their families and friends are far more likely to re-enter society successfully and not re-offend. Not only does cell phone access enhance the lives of prisoners, but consider the approximately three million American children who have a parent in prison today. According to the Fragile Families and Child Well-Being study, kids with an incarcerated parent are three times more likely to suffer from behavioral problems and depression than kids without one. Imagine the positive impact it could have on the lives of these children if they could call their mother or father and share what life was like in this new social distancing reality. How sad they are because they miss their friends, or how happy they are to see their teachers online. The ability to call a parent could be transformative, and it could be life-changing for prisoners like me too. All of us in this godforsaken place would rather stay in our own cells to talk with our families than anything, and now more than ever. For people isolated from the world, hearing a loved one's voice or a grandbaby coo for the first time is healing. In addition, this is time spent not being violent in the yard. It's time spent not stewing in your own rage, frustration, and depression. We would have time to be normal, thinking, feeling, human beings. We'll post a link to Jarvis's article in our show notes. But he goes on to make the case that not only would cell phone usage save money for the families of the incarcerated, but with managed access technology that exists now, prisons could track and monitor all incoming and outgoing calls and texts. Not only that, but the National Institute of Justice takes the position that managed access is one more piece of the puzzle to mitigate contraband cell phone usage. The secret that the prison system doesn't want to acknowledge is how much more serene and less disruptive it is when inmates are on their cell phones. My favorite memory with my phone was staying up all night talking with my brothers and sisters in a group call. I hadn't talked to them together like that in more than three decades. Considering we were all separated in different foster homes as children, we had a lot to remember together. We laughed, we cried, whispering to my siblings. I felt alive that night. When the world overcomes this nightmare, who knows if we'll ever get that chance again. Last week, Shambhala Publications released Jarvis's latest autobiographical book, Finding Freedom, How Death Row Broke and Opened My Heart. Robert L. Allen, senior editor of The Black Scholar, writes of the book, a deeply moving, life-affirming memoir written from the netherworld of San Quentin. His book is a testament to the tenacity of the human spirit. Up next, actor Dion Graham, who has voiced the audiobook for Finding Freedom, will share some of the amazing wisdom that Jarvis has put down on the page. Mom met a lot of your demands over the years. This Mother's Day, get her the Bartesian cocktail maker that makes premium cocktails on demand. In just 30 seconds, have your choice of over 60 premium or seasonal cocktails, all at the touch of a button. Get $50 off on the Bartesian cocktail maker now when you buy one pack of cocktail capsules. So, for all the times you made a mess, get mom the countertop cocktail system that makes premium cocktails without making any mess at all. For all the times you begged for soda, get her premium cocktail capsules made with real fruit juice and craft bitters. For all the times you demanded tacos for dinner, get her the Bartesian that mixes margaritas in just 30 seconds. 
make mom's Mother's Day and all the 364 days that aren't Mother's Day with a Bartesian cocktail maker at $50 off. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com backslash mother now to get $50 off the Bartesian premium cocktail maker. Bartesian, premium cocktails on demand. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. Just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Dion Graham, and I'm an actor, and uh, also narrate things as well. And I came to know about Jarvis because Shambhala Press reached out to me to narrate his great book, Finding Freedom. Jarvis has said that you two have become quite good friends during the process. <laughs> yeah, I, I I definitely appreciate Jarvis, and uh, you know I'm I'm wishing him well during these times, particularly with the, what the conditions are in there right now, and also in his fight to gain his freedom. This system is one that disproportionately targets and holds black and brown men in particular. And, you know, that is something that we need to continue speaking out about and looking at why that is and uh, what that means in terms of, uh, of our democracy and what we want our democracy actually to be. And particularly in light of current events, I think it's important. And I think it's important for us to think critically about that and uh, also to think compassionately. You know, I, I think we can do better and uh, hope that the governor will find it in his heart and in his, uh, that it makes sense to him that we, we do do better. The audiobook of Finding Freedom, How Death Row Broke and Opened My Heart, can be found at Shambhala.com or Audible.
We'll link to both sites in our show notes. Now, Dion Graham reading from a chapter called Scars. I remember the first time I really noticed the scars on the bodies of my fellow prisoners. I was outside on a maximum custody exercise yard. I stood along the fence, praising the air the yard gave my lungs that my prison cell didn't. I wasn't in a rush to pick up a basketball or do anything. I just stood in my own silence. I looked at the other prisoners, playing basketball or handball, showering, talking to one another. I saw the inmates I felt closest to, John, Pete, and David, lifting weights. I noticed the amazing similarity of the whip-like scars on their bare skin, shining with sweat from pumping iron in the hot sun. A deep sadness came over me as I watched these powerful men lift hundreds of pounds of weights over their heads. I looked around the yard and made the gruesome discovery that everyone else had the same deep gashes behind their legs, on their backs, all over their ribs, evidence of the violence in our lives. Here were America's lost children, surviving in rage and in refuge from society. I was certain that many of their crimes could be traced to the horrible violence done to them as children. The histories of all of us in San Quentin were so similar, it was as if we had the same parents. Though I was a trusted comrade of most of these inmates, and to a few of them I was their only family, normally I wouldn't dare intrude on their private pain. Even so, I made up my mind that I would bring John, Pete, and David together to talk about their scars. These men had probably never spoken openly of their terrible childhood experiences. I doubted that any of them would ever have used the word abuse. They looked hard into the core, standing around the weightlifting bench, proud of their bodies and the images they projected. It occurred to me, as I approached them, that such a posture of pride symbolized the battles they had made their bones with. This was prison talk for prove their manhood. At one time, I had been hardened as well and had made my own denials. The difficulty I would have in speaking with them would be interpreting the prison language we all used when talking about our pasts. Shucking and jiving was the way we covered up sensitive matters. John was a 28-year-old bulky man serving 25 to life for murder. I had met him when we were both in youth homes in Southern California. We were only 11 years old. Throughout the years, we traveled together through the juvenile system until the penitentiary became our final stop. When I asked him about the scars on his face, he said, they came from kicking ass and, in the process, getting my ass kicked, which was rare. John explained that his father had loved him enough to teach him how to fight when he was only five years old. He learned from the beatings he got. In a sense, he said, he grew up with a loving fear of his father. He pointed to a nasty scar on his upper shoulder. Laughing, he told us that his father had hit him with a steel rod when he tried to protect his mother from being beaten. Most of us had seen this scar, but it never had the nerve to ask about it. As we stared at it, John seemed ashamed. Avoiding our eyes, he mumbled a few words before showing us his many other scars. He could remember every detail surrounding the violent events that had produced them. I realized that these experiences haunted him. Yet as he went on talking, he became increasingly rational. He had spent more than half his life in one institutional setting or another, and as a result, he projected a very cold and fearsome, almost boastful smile. He wanted nothing of what he shared with us to be interpreted, even remotely, as child abuse. This was especially apparent when he showed us a gash on his back that was partially hidden by a dragon tattoo. 
It was a hideous scar, something I would have imagined finding on a slave who had been whipped. John motioned me closer and said, rub your finger down the dragon's spine. I felt what seemed like thick, tight string that moved like a worm beneath his skin. Damn, John, what in the hell happened to you? I asked. There was something in the way I questioned him that made John laugh, and the others joined in. He explained that when he was nine, his father chased him with a cord. John ran under a bed, grabbed the springs, and held on as his father pulled him by the legs, striking his back repeatedly with the cord until he fell unconscious. He woke up later with a deep flesh wound. John, smiling coldly, joked that that was the last time he ever ran from his father. David and Pete recounted similar childhood experiences. Their stories said much about how all of us had come to be in one of the worst prisons in the country. Most prisoners who were abused as children were taken from their natural parents at a very early age and placed in foster homes, youth homes, or juvenile halls for protection, where they acquired even more scars. Later in their lives, prisons provided the same kind of painful refuge. It is terrifying to realize that a large percentage of prisoners will eventually re-enter society, father children, and perpetuate what happened to them. Throughout my many years of institutionalization, I, like so many of these men, unconsciously took refuge behind prison walls. Not until I read a series of books for adults who had been abused as children did I become committed to the process of examining my own childhood. I began to unravel the reasons I had always just expected to go from one youth institution to the next. I never really tried to stay out of these places, and neither did my friends. That day, I spoke openly to my friends about my physical and mental abuse as a child. I told them that I had been neglected and then abandoned by my parents, heroin addicts, when I was very young. I was beaten and whipped by my stepfather. My mother left me and my sisters alone for days with our newborn twin brother and sister when I was only four years old. The baby boy died a crib death, and I always believed it was my fault, since I had been made responsible for him. I spoke to them of the pain I had carried through more than a dozen institutions, pain I could never face. And I explained how all of these events ultimately trapped me in a pattern of lashing out against everything. But these men could not think of their own experiences as abuse. What I had told them seemed to sadden them, perhaps because I had embraced a hidden truth that they could not. They avoided making the connection between my experiences and theirs. It was as if they felt I had suffered more than they. That wasn't true. What they heard was their own unspoken words. Eventually, we all fell silent around the weightlifting bench, staring across the yard at the other men exercising. John and I spoke again, privately, later. You know something? He said. The day I got used to getting beaten by my father and by the counselors in all those group homes was the day I knew nothing would ever hurt me again. Everything I thought could hurt me, I saw as a game. I had nothing to lose and just about everything to gain. A prison cell will always be here for me. John was speaking most for the men I had met in prison. Secretly, we like it here. This place welcomes a man who is full of rage and violence. He is not abnormal here, not different. Prison life is an extension of his inner life. Finally, I confided to John that I wished I had been with my mother when she died. Hey, 
Didn't you say she neglected you? He asked. John was right. She had neglected me. But am I to neglect myself as well by denying that I wished I'd been with her when she died? That I still love her? As Jarvis's legal team at Kirkland & Ellis is preparing for the post-conviction proceedings to appeal his death sentence, we are planning season two of Dear Governor in which we will follow those proceedings and pending the reinstatement of phone privileges, Jarvis is looking forward to continue sharing his story along the way. Thanks to Dion Graham for lending his passion and incomparable pipes. Special thanks to Gavrilla Wells for providing audio of Jarvis and for her steadfast devotion to human rights and social justice. Today's episode was written and produced by Donna Fazari and myself, Corny Cole. Our theme song, Sentence, is compliments of the band Stick Figure from their album Set in Stone. Stu Sternbach has composed the original music. Nate DeFort did the sound design. If you'd like to learn more about Jarvis and support his cause, please visit freejarvis.org. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series called Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.